Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is up? Welcome to episode number 22 of Talking Pitching. Today we are joined by a man who has an unrivaled collection of Audemars Pigets, including the vaunted Black Panther, as well as the Submariner Hulk and many more. He's got a fairly healthy coffee obsession and probably knows a bit more about the UFC than you do. Oh yeah, he also just so happens to have two of the filthiest breaking pitches in all of baseball and was one of six pitchers to have three separate pitches with a swinging strike rate over 14%. He's joining some other dudes you may have heard of named Max Scherzer and Walker Bueller on that list. You can find him on Twitter at LM McCullers, excuse me, L McCullers 43 and on Instagram at Lance McCullers 43. The one, the only Lance McCullers Jr. What is up, man? How you doing? What is up? Hey, did you mention um, Scherzer and uh, Bueller? Because I, I punched against both of those guys this year. That's exactly why. Is that why you did it? Okay. That's exactly why. Starting off. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I had no idea that that was why. I was hoping we were going to start off with a watch collection because that's something I learned today. And that is bananas, man. That is an insane collection you have. That Black Panther one Thank is you. wild. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a uh, it's a concept. Um, Audemars PA, Black Panther. Uh, I think they ran or they were going to put a they are allowed to put 250 into, into circulation, into production. I don't know how many um, they actually did um, put into production. I actually got to meet Don Cheadle, um, <laughs> oh, who is wow. uh, one of the main reasons that that watch, um, you know, that partnership between Marvel and um, AP even came to existence and was really a key, you know, force into getting that watch to market, um, especially um, with, you know, the tragic passing um, and you know, of, uh, you know, black Panther. So, um, it's a really cool piece. It's, uh, he said there's probably only about a hundred to 150. that are actually, um, out there, including a lot of those watches that were already pre-allocated. So I, I feel pretty special to be able to have one. Well, you, you have ice on the wrist, but you also have ice in the veins. And that brings Ooh. us to the first thing that I wanted to talk about, which is this slider. Okay. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I'm not trying to blow smoke or anything. I Nick and I, and Nick especially, has been studying pitching for a long time. It takes a lot of cojones for a dude to be like, I'm going to learn a new pitch, and then I'm just going to start throwing it. I think I saw like a Max Scherzer quote or someone who said like, yeah, it takes a couple years. I'll try it in the pen, and then maybe I'll get the feel for it, and then I'll tinker with it a little bit more, and then I'll bring it into my game plan. You just came out hot with it in 2021, and I want to just have you walk us through the story of that slider. When 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 did you first think like, okay, this is a piece that I want to add to my arsenal? Uh, would you guys want the long story or the short story? Oh, I want the long one. Okay, so you know when I debuted back in 2015, I was a four seam curveball guy predominantly. I, I debuted at, at 21 years old. I was very raw. I had only been pitching is my senior year of high school. So I literally debuted uh, in the big leagues and I've been pitching for less than four years. Um, so I, I didn't have a, a good feel for 
what being a pitcher was. I was a thrower. I, I threw hard, especially back in 2015. Now I feel like every starter, um, especially to the top end of, of rotations or just in general, are all throwing mid, sometimes even upper 90s. But back when I debuted, um, you know, not a lot of guys threw that hard as a starter. All those guys were in the pen. So I debuted. Like I said, I was raw. I basically fastball curveball. Um, and that Scherzer quote rings true for my changeup because I threw a bunch of different circle changeups, a bunch of different split changeups. I was messing with hand angles and um, all all type of uh, you know different ideas on the ball for my changeup. It did take many years, but what I've what I've been blessed with is the ability to spin spin a breaking ball. Um, that's something that I learned in high school. I picked up my knuckle curveball within a few days and it's has never really changed. And then the slider um, was similar. So what happened was, is like I said, I was a four seam curveball guy. I started to mix in the change up. And as the injury started to pile up, because I, I, I sprained my UCL uh, in 2016. So as the years went on and I was pitching with that tear, I had to morph into a different pitcher because, you know, arm actions change the way you use your mechanics change your body starts to um move in different ways that it did before so you can still move the way you need to move to pitch your body starts to change and my arm action was different and you know my shoulder would bark my tricep my bicep all these things were happening so i started throwing two seams it was this whole it was this whole kind of mess that I was dealing with for many years. But basically when I came back from TJ, um, I realized in 2020 that I was missing something and that something was just really to the right-handed pitchers, hitters, excuse me. I didn't feel like they were uncomfortable. I didn't feel like I was fooling anyone. I felt my pitches didn't blend well enough off each other. In 2020, I added the, the cutter to the lefties on the back door a little bit higher to try to mix in the curveball line. Um, my sinker was good. My changeup was good. And my curveball was good, all separate. But I didn't feel like I was blending things really well. And in this day and age in baseball, if you have good stuff, um, you're going to get by. But if you want to be elite, if you want to be great, you know things have, to, things have to blend, things have to mix, especially with the analytics and the way hitters are able to break down pitchers and vice versa. So I go into spring training this year and I kind of had this like PTSD because in the ALCS the previous year, I was facing the Rays and uh, Margot hit a homer off me on a breaking ball. That was a pretty darn good pitch in the first inning. And then um, Zanino took me deep in game seven on a breaking ball and a 3-2 pitch. That wasn't the best breaking ball in the world, but these were swings that I felt like, man, this is um, – I'm uncomfortable. I, was, I didn't want to throw my breaking ball to righties anymore. So I literally went into spring training, had never thrown a slider in my life, um, and just kind of started mixing with grips. And I got a few videos for Colin McHugh and um, you know some other guys. Joe Musgrove was one of them. And I was playing catch in the outfield before my first live BP. And I threw a couple of them. And the guy I was playing catch with, Josh Miller, who's now our pitching coach, mm-hmm. was like, I don't know what that was or what you were doing, but just keep that in your mind, bag it up. I threw three in a row that were like excellent. So I, I did the Garrett Cole plan. I threw three that were good. I called it a day. And the next day in my live, I was facing Altuve 
and I broke it out. And Altuve said, that's the best slider I think I've ever seen. And then from that point on, <laughs> and from oh, that man. point on, it was legitimately, do I throw this pitch in spring training? Hmm. So people and people know about it and learn about it, or do I just pocket it? And honestly, right. our analytical staff came to me and said, this is their words. Cause I didn't want to throw it. They literally said, it doesn't matter. Just throw it. It, it doesn't matter if you save it or not, because it's going to be a pitch that's too tough to handle. Wow, man. And, and okay. That's so amazing. that, that must've been the best feeling too. All of a sudden you have this new weapon. You couldn't be more excited for opening day to come. Well, it just, it, it kind of freed me up a little bit. It freed me up because I was trying to do so many different things with my breaking ball, my curveball for so long that I kind of lost what my breaking ball was. And I was trying to throw it, you know, sometimes really short and hard. And sometimes I was trying to make it slower and, 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 and throw it bigger for strikes. And then to righties, I was trying to sweep it and I would end up by, um, you know, hanging over the plate a little bit and not really, you know, mixing. And then, you know, when you need that pitch, when you need that 3-2 breaking ball, that 2-2 breaking ball in a big spot, I started kind of losing my arm slot, my hand speed, the feel for it. It almost started feeling wrong in my hand. And so that was a problem for me because it was ever one pitch I never felt wrong in my hand. It was the breaking ball. Um, even coming crazy. back from TJ and my rehab, I didn't throw my breaking ball for almost a year. And the first day I threw it, it was like it was, it was, it was perfect. It was, it was right there. It was where it needed to be. But – because of 2020 and how I was seeing people react to it, I started almost not wanting to throw it, which was a problem. I started throwing my changeup a ton more um, and things of that nature. So the slider was added literally within a 24 hour period of time. Got a video from Colin. That's, that's amazing. And I Joe Musgrove that. went out yeah. to play catch. Next day, threw it in lives, and then it it became what it became. That's just how it happens, right? Um, so that slider, I remember actually with Colin McHugh, he learned his, I remember, from Brad Peacock. And Brad Peacock, one of the filthiest, you know, horizontal bending sliders you'll ever see. Um, and I actually saw in your hand you were, how you were gripping it, I think, with your middle finger on the bottom of the horseshoe, essentially. Um, like it, like we would do like a curveball, but instead of the top of it, you, you know, or the side of the, the horseshoe, actually at the bottom, you just stay on top. Is that right? Am I doing this correctly here? I uh, just... Middle yeah, that's um, index finger up in the air, essentially like popping the gun, but just completely at the bottom. Yeah, so it, it would be it would be easier to explain on video, but if if you could <laughs> grab a baseball, if you have a baseball in here and you're listening, and you just look at the Rawlings logo, since most or any logo on one of the horseshoes of the ball, I basically hold the ball with my middle finger about half and half off the top of that seam. So my middle finger lays right on top and it's still facing me. So it's facing my face. My middle finger lays right on top of the middle of the seam. The index finger, the pointer finger comes right behind it and lays down right on top of that Rawlings logo almost. And then I don't move my fingers. I kind of just like rotate the ball in my hand a little bit. So I rotate the ball counter no I wrote I the ball clockwise so it kind of fits in nice and tight so there's not yeah. a lot of space within my hand and what I do is I actually when I'm coming through and I've told this to some guys before like Dallas Keiko and other guys who have asked me I actually think about like serving pizza <laughs> <laughs> so you try to flatten so your I, hand I legitimately like when this is coming through the slot 
I legitimately want like my <laughs> hand to bend back as if I was carrying oh. a tray. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then as I'm releasing the ball, I want my hands almost like when people like literally have a tray of pizza and they bring it to your table, like back in the day at like, you know, pizza hut, or, like CC's pizza, mm. sure. yeah, yeah. like rotate their hand and put it on top of the little pizza stand. Right. I literally try to lay my hand flat and rotate my hand. So my hand comes around the ball in that same like pizza serving motion. So mm. that way I'm literally getting rid of the ball in a like zero axis. That's, that's great. Let yeah. it come off my fingers. And that's what gives it that sweet, but also gives it the hop. Cause when my slider is the best, you know, I'm getting five, six, eight, sometimes even 10 plus, um, you know, vertical, uh, movement along with the horizontal. So I'm right. Guys are swinging under the ball. The, the slider is really, it gets, it has the um, illusion to the hitter that the ball is going to go somewhere because they're so conditioned that sliders and spin move a certain way that it kind of redirects course right around the dirt. So it's in the zone. As guys are swinging, it's like almost shooting up away, like fluttering up away from the bat. Right. That's, I mean, had a 41% fly ball rate this year. No surprise there. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you know the famous, here comes a pizza from Don Orsillo, but now I'm going to think about that every single time you throw a slider. Oh, yeah. Such a great socks. So it was hand. funny because yep. <laughs> it was in July and I was, I faced the White Sox coming out of the break and uh, I was throwing my slider that night and it was really good. And Dallas was asking me the next day about it. And I'm like, listen, bro, I'm going to tell you. Like, you can't tell anybody, okay? Like, can't tell anyone. Like, this is the secret. Like, this is the secret sauce right here. And literally the next day, he was sitting next to Dylan Cease on the bench. He was, like, wow. doing the pizza motion. <laughs> wow. like, I was like, oh. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> my God. How was, could he? I was, just, I was just messing around. But, so, uh, but that- I mean. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying one more time about the uh, about the release point. You're saying right, serving the pizza, but it's really the the pinky. I remember learning a curveball back in high school. It's one it shaped me a lot for entering college and everything. And it was all about chopping with uh, with a, for a curveball motion for to the, um, to my angles, my left foot. So essentially, think fastball. And all of a sudden, the mo- last moment, I chop down to my angles, and that's essentially what you're saying. I mean, I wanted more of a vertical drop to it as opposed to a horizontal bend. You're saying the same idea, leading with your your pinky. You know, you have it kind of like a fastball, and then you're twisting around and, and delivering it. Um, that's a really cool way of, of thinking about it. And yet, we, we overlook this a lot. We talk about grips. We talk about release point. But in so many scenarios, it's about the mental approach and what you're thinking about on release. I mean, Zach Allen talks about his his slider. He has to think it's a cutter because he needs to stay on top of it, behind it. But it's a slider. But he right. calls it a cutter just for that reason. And that mental thought process is so important when you're on the hill. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I think something that I think Alex and I've actually made spoke about it before. I'm when, when young pitchers, cause I always encourage young pitchers, um, to like, di- like direct message me or whatever it is. Um, I don't like search through my like direct messages. Like they'll catch me like on a, an Instagram thread and I'll say like, yo, like, I'll, I'll direct message them and say like, if you have any questions, whatever, send video. And one of the things I tell them is so many things matter. Like your hand size matters, your hands, your, your, your grip strength matters. Like the way your hand 
comes through, um, you know, your, like your slot, your arm, your arm slot, of course matters and like how high your elbow is, all that stuff. But a lot of, a lot of importance comes with the hand and the hand angles and hand speed. Like when it, when you come through your window, so like there's like a little window, like right when you pass your ear, it's like, I'm throwing my breaking ball, my slider, my changeup, especially I'm literally trying to increase my hand speed as I'm breaking that hmm. invisible, like plane or circle. I'm literally trying to increase my hand speed to, you know, have the pitch do, um, you know, what I want it to do. So I, I preach that a lot about hand speed, hand angle, um, you know, pressure in your hand. When I throw my breaking ball when I want to throw it hard, I literally put more pressure on my on my pointer finger and more pressure on my ring on my ring finger because it's not going to allow the ball to slip out of my hand. When I don't want to throw it as hard, I'll take that pressure off and I'll be more middle finger dominant, and it'll be the same arm speed. It's just different hand pressures, so it, it gives it, the hitters a different look without really ha- them having a different look. This this is a big question. I'm trying to figure out the best way to kind of formulate it, but it's essentially going to be overall about the mental aspect of the game and your relationship with analytics. So it's kind of a two-parter. One, you said something which I don't want to let slide, no pun intended, by the wayside when you were talking about the analytics team coming up to you and then your faith in that. Because I don't think a lot of people, some pitchers might not feel that way. Some pitchers might not have that relationship with the analytics uh, overall to think like, okay, that's what you're telling me. I trust that. Let's move forward with that. So I want to hear about that. But I also want to hear about, you seem very, and I believe most pitchers are, very, very in tune with your body. Right. Even even your pitching coach said, like, whatever you were doing, let's try and replicate that. You had a feel in your body that you were trying to bring. Can you there's obviously a, a our brains are terrible with us sometimes. Right. I say, don't think about an elephant in a room. And all of a sudden someone thinks about an elephant in a room. A guy says to you, don't think about anything. Just throw the slider the way that you've been throwing it before. How do you deal also then with that mental aspect of like, OK, I just need to feel it in my body while. 30, 40,000 people are screaming at you. Well, there was a lot of screaming this year. Um, (laughs) It's cues. It's cues. So when I tell you, um, I'm talking about, you know, my, my invisible kind of hula hoop thing that I got going here that when I break that plane of my ear, um, I'm increasing my hand speed or when I'm talking about pressure, you know, and how I'm holding the ball in my hand, that that's a cue. When I'm talking about serving the pizza or how I'm trying to, I'm trying to drop my hand back. So I create a different spin on the ball without moving my arm. So the hitter can't tell. Um, Cause I do believe hitters can tell, you know, elbow drops or arm speed thing in that nature, but I don't believe they could see if my hand is flat, you know, or, 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 or it's not flat. Like on my two seam, my, my hand would be almost at a, like a 45-ish degree angle um, when, I, when I'm coming through the slot. On my changeup, it would be almost maybe at a give or take 65 to 70. On the curveball, it's more, it's more completely straight. On the slider, I'm dropping my hand back. Um, I don't think they can see that, and that's all cues for me. So what you're saying exactly is you have to be in tune with your body. You have to come up with things that work for you. And I always preach, like I said, to young kids, find the grip that works for your body, your hands, your arm strength, and just throw it. Don't try to throw my slider. Cause if I was going to try to throw, 
you know, I took some things Colin said, and then I made it my own. You have to take some things that people say and make it your own. And that's how you don't get caught up in the moment. That's how you can step off and you're saying like, this is my checklist almost. And that's how you stay in tune with your body. You have to know your body to come up with that checklist, but that's how you kind of stay on track. That's great. I mean, I think it reminds me of like, there's a passage in the mental ABCs of pitching, which I think is just such a fantastic book that kind of talks about cues. And you're right. So it seems like if I'm understanding you correctly, rather than letting how you're feeling in particular that day get to you or whether some, you know, BS home run just went over the wall or whatever, you're just thinking to yourself, this is Q1, this is Q2, this is Q3 and taking it step by step. So it seems like you just have a a checklist for you that's going to always help you keep that mind focused and sharp. Yeah. And I think, you know, just having time under your belt, I think mm-hmm. helps. I mean, I've been, I've been super lucky to like throw some, some, to some amazing catchers like Brian McCann. I remember he called me one time, I gave up like nine runs, um, against the twins. It was like 28 degrees and I gave up nine runs that day and he called me and, you know, we were talking just all about, um, you know, just, not letting so much of, you know, the outside, you know, pressures and performance, we're going to, you know, narrow it into just like execution, execution of this pitch. If we execute our pitch and we execute the plan, like we can't control what's going to happen, but more than likely like good things will happen. So I break it down by like pitch by pitch, um, you know, and it's not a game, you know, when I'm, when I'm pitching into a game, I don't think about going seven innings or nine innings, or I don't think about, um, you know, getting this many outs, it's literally, it's like all I got, you know, mentally and physically for like each individual pitch, each individual pitch is like its own game. Uh, that's how I kind of approach it. I think it keeps me in the present moment. I don't think, um, I get too stressed about, you know, guys coming up in the lineup or I don't get too stressed about men on base or I don't get too stressed about if I gave up a run or however, or two or three runs early. Like you got to rally as a starter in this league and you know, being able to, you know, stay pitch by pitch by pitch by pitch and, you know, 100% of your focus and having like a mental checklist. I have like a mental checklist that I go through, um, you know, but before the inning and I, it's just like a way to get me like in my zone. Um, I think that's how you don't like outside things affect you. And as far as like analytics go, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm such a fan of analytics because um, I think it gives value to the eye test. So I think the eye test in baseball, I think scouting is still so important because there are things, there are things you cannot put in an algorithm. Like you cannot put how much Martin Maldonado means to our team, to me as an individual, um, in an F4, but it shows up in moments and throughout the season time and time again, shows up in the locker room things of that nature, but analytics just get, just brings, um, you know, it brings full validation to the eye test. It, and it, it, it gives you real live raw feedback of, are you, is it good or is it not good? Um, and that's what, you know, I take it as if I'm tinkering with the pitch and I know what this pitcher's cutter does. If I know what Walker Bueller's cutter does on a, on a track man and I know how successful it is and I know where he uses it in the zone. I know I had to get my cutter on the track man to emulate that. I did that with my yeah. changeup years ago with King Felix and Strasburg. 
I literally said, these guys have some of the best right-handed changeups in the game. Here are their dots. Here's how they use it. I need to find a way to connect the, connect that those two in my own way. So I need to find a way to throw a changeup and whatever cues I have to find, whatever hand grip, whatever you know, I have to create to get those dots and to use it in those situations. So I think that's where analytics blends into the game so nicely. I think you still have to be quote unquote old school and some of the evaluations, but it, it, it blends in because it brings immediate validation to is the pitch good. And I think that's important. Yeah. Here you are making me nostalgic about King Felix and Strasburg and those changeups, man. I miss those terribly, but I, I did want to hint on or touch on something you were talking about there with approach um, and just kind of get a sense of, you know, different pitchers have different ways of going about their approach. Some of them, say, hey, all right, what's on the docket today? Who are we going after? And they have a full game plan every single day about every pitcher, and they're going to change how they do things based on that. Other pitchers say, you know what? I'm just going to go out there, and I have a general blueprint of my stuff. I don't really care who is at the plate. I'm going to go and attack guys the way that I'm feeling it in that moment. How do you go about preparing for a lineup, and when? how do you make those decisions in the game? So <clears throat> I've done it every which way. I started off and it was hours and hours and hours of film. And it was, what are they bad at? And I would attack them at what they were bad at, even if it wasn't my strength. Then I said, you know what? I'm not going to watch any film. I'm just going to pitch how I pitch. I'm going to do me. Right. And like, yeah, you have some success, but also that's when, that's when doubt creeps in. That's when the, that's when there's a guy on second in the sixth inning and you got two outs and you're at 103 pitches, and this is the third time you're facing Robinson Cano in Seattle, where it's like basically sleeting, and <laughs> the, the and literally you can't even open your eyes full because the lights are so bright there, and you're thinking, wait, 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 how am I going to get him out for the third time? I don't know anything about him. I've already, you know, you know what I'm saying. So. Um, what I do now, and this is how I approach 2021 and it started happening in 2020 after I got my, uh, tail handed to me against, um, the, um, Arizona diamondbacks because analytically speaking, and this is a good blend of what I was, what I was talking about after the game, I went to my, our analytics department and we stayed late and we went through my game and my pitch grades and my, um, uh, location grades and they were saying if we didn't know anything about the game no score no nothing this would be your best game you've, you've had in years i gave up nine runs so i said okay well um it was obviously not my best game i've pitched in nine years i'm sorry in my career i gave up <laughs> nine runs this is my worst game i want to retire uh, so what I did was I started saying, you know what, I'm going to develop pitches that I feel like attack enough hitters from the left-handed side and the right-handed side. And they're going to all be good enough with the things I spoke about finding pitch shapes, finding, you know, track man data, um, all of that stuff. And I'm going to be able to have a arsenal of pitches to seam cutter, slider, curveball, change up, um, that is good enough to attack the hitters at their weaknesses, but still me in my mind, considering it a strength. Right. So if I'm facing a lefty and it's like, I don't throw a lot of cutters. Right. But if they're like, Hey, 
um, this guy does not hit cutters up in the zone well. It's like, I will attack him with cutters up. And then I'll throw the breaking ball behind it. And if they're like, hey, this righty actually hits spin well, but he struggles with change-ups or he struggles in. So if they say, hey, this righty struggles in, there's not a lot of data with change-ups. I know I can throw the sinker back door to the, you know, to to in to then go change up down under. Because sometimes I throw to locations from so my pitch ends up where I want it to go versus throwing my pitch somewhere so I hit the spot of the catcher. So there's a lot of different things that I took into this year that I think made me more successful and more clear-minded, which was I feel like I have an arsenal of pitches that I can throw because um, I threw predominantly sliders to righties and curveballs to lefties, but I can throw four of my five pitches to both sides. So we're just going to pick which we think is best for each batter. Yeah, definitely. And I rely on Maldi a lot with that. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot. Oh, yeah, you gotta. And, and, and I saw, I think this year, I mean, also in 2020, uh, a lot of more called strikes on those curveballs now. I mean, maybe it's because you are separating it out more. You're not just relying them against both handedness uh, and then more so to the slider and more and more with that. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, every single game I cover them and I remember two stories that I, I saw with you that I'm really curious about. Um, one, I saw some games where your slider was way better than your curveball or vice versa. And I think at times you turned, you know, you kind of changed a little bit your approach because of that. Is that actually something that was going? Is that something I just made up or were, did no. you find games that you were really deciding between the two? Yeah, because now we have um, we have the pitch shapes and we have the spin in the dugout on the iPads. Mm-hmm. So I can literally see after the inning like oh, what man. my stuff is doing. And I'm like, this pitch isn't that good today. Like I pitched a, a big chunk of the season from probably end of July all the way through August. I had a really bad blister on my – in some of September, I had a really bad blister on my, um, on my, on my pointer finger. And it was really affecting the cutter-slider combo. So I really had to pick like when I was going to use it, when I wasn't going to use it. I didn't have 30 sliders in the tank. Um, And my slider sometimes would blend to like more cuttery. So I had to then determine how am I going to use this now that these guys know how the slider is moving. So they're covering more space. And actually in the Dodgers game in in LA, I had, I was, the blister was at one of its worst and I started front during the slider, which I hadn't done Mm -hmm. all year. I knew it wasn't going to float back over the plate because I didn't right. have that type of movement, but it was a hard, like hard, you know, kind of at you back over the plate cutter slider type thing. So we, we make like legitimate in-game um, adjustments based off of how I'm feeling, how pitches are moving. Um, and that's why you would see, you know, some games like if I start throwing my breaking ball and I'm getting 3,100 RPMs and I'm throwing it for strikes, it's like, I'm going to throw it a lot. Yeah. And, and, and the last one. So now hitters know how to right. evaluate what I'm going to throw. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there, <laughs> no one listens an, to us. It's there's another good. element, though. There's, I mean, that's the repertoire side, which is unbelievably fascinating what you just talked about. There's mm-hmm. another one where I, I remember multiple games. I think you had like a run, maybe it was 2020, where everything landed in the same spot. Uh, and I mean kind of like down and away to righties or down and into lefties. And because you, you had your, your sinkers that come back to the, the outside corner, um, you had your breaking balls land in that spot. And then I saw you change it. You finally said, you know what? I'm going to go more high-low at times. And I, I think there were a couple starts where you struggled in that way. It, it, you know, it, So there's there's two sides of it, right? There's the actual stuff that you're throwing, how you're adapting it. But is there was there any sort of shift mentally to locations and how you're even approaching the pitches themselves? Yeah, and that's one of, that's the game, that's one of the games I'm speaking of. It was like, 
against the Diamondbacks, like every breaking ball I threw to lefties was like mid eighties. And it was like down and in just under the zone enough. Right. To where it should get like great results. Like uh, mm-hmm. Brandon Lyle hit a home run off me this year. Um, it stole my sub three ERA season in the sixth <laughs> inning with two outs and two strikes. How could and I do threw that? him a breaking ball. I don't know how he could do that to me. Uh, it was a breaking ball that was like under the zone. It probably would have landed in the dirt if he didn't scoop it. And he scooped it and he, and he got me. But that's because I wasn't switching it up enough. That's because I was becoming right. predictable and overexposing. So like you said, you're, I was literally in the middle of 2020, my comeback from TJ in a shortened COVID year. And I said, you know what? I need to start experimenting. I need to be okay with potential failure if I want to like become the pitcher that I want to become. And I had a couple of like eh, starts, but then all of a sudden toward the end of that season, I ran off like 20 innings in a row, um, scoreless, um, or I think no earned runs, something like that. And then I moved into the playoffs and had a really good ALCS. And yeah, I took that into next, you know, the next year. And that's what I'm talking about where I started throwing, you know, cutters up, or maybe right. I started, um, throwing top shelf sinkers to righties, or maybe I'm not so comfortable throwing inside to righties, but I would at least pop inside sometimes twice. So if I throw a first pitch breaking ball for a strike, And I say, you know what? I have enough confidence to land another breaking ball, especially this year with a slider. I'm legitimately going to throw two sinkers inside off the dish. I'm going to go down most likely two and one, unless I get a swing and miss, something like that. So I can set up the take slider on two and one. So now we're two, two, and I got two pitches to finish them. And people would be like, well, you're wasting pitches, you know? And I'd be like, well, maybe, you know, maybe. But um, maybe that sets me up later in the game when I throw that first pitch breaking ball again, and then I come in with the sinker, and then I go change up. And maybe he sees it more middle, and he's like, I'm on it. And then it's a ground ball to, to Breggy or things of that nature. So, yeah, you have to experiment. You have to be okay with failing in this game where literally you could go seven shutty and punch ten and have a no-hitter, and people think you're the greatest, and then you get beat, and then – you know, you want to hide under the covers. You have to be okay with, you know, failure in the limelight to try to be able to grow to like where you want to go. Yeah, that's great. You, you brought up the home run and you and I had talked about this, I think over the season at some point, these, these BS home runs. And I wanted to at least say it to you now. So you gave up the second fewest home runs of any pitcher in qualified baseball this year. Corbin Burns was the only pitcher who gave up fewer. However, you, yeah, he's fine. (laughs) You led the league in home runs that should not have been home runs by a pretty significant margin. As a matter of fact, you had two home runs, which only would have been home runs in the parks that they were hidden. Can I, can I, I know for sure one, I know mm-hmm. for sure one was, yeah. was Polanco and the twins. That's, yes. I know for sure that one. And if I had to guess the other one, was it Clint Frazier in New York? I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Clint Frazier yeah. in New York. That yeah, also yeah. ruined my day. That was a two-run homer in the fifth with two outs with Aaron Hicks on first. I got a broken bat infield single. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing this like whole like I'm not going to complain thing in 2022. So <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you complain I'll, for me. <laughs> I'll let you keep to that. I will say I remember how that game you. ended. It ended pretty well for you guys, if I recall correctly. I think that was a Jose Altuve bomb to left field. That was. Against- 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I, against I, my, I was against my pal Garrett. I mean, it would have been better to get the dub, but uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think I was, yeah. I was at that game and it was amazing. Um, all right. Uh, we have, we're going to take a quick ad break and then we just got one or two more questions for, uh, for Lance here. So stick around with us for another minute and then we're going to wrap things up. All right. We are back from the break here. Lance, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time. We have two remaining questions for you. Questions that we like to ask as many pitchers as we can. Actually, wait, one thing before we get into these questions. One of the best part about talking to pitchers is Nick, we, we, almost do this for a living nick especially every day eat sleep pitching and one of the best thing about talking to pitchers is them proving how dumb we are sometimes and what <laughs> i mean by that is like sometimes we're like all right man like he there was a game he had a few sliders he like dropped his slider percentage and like maybe that's because he was facing a predominantly left-handed lineup and actually it was a little bit cold and the pitching co- and it turns out it was like a blister like i love yeah. that i love well, when guys not, are like well, this year they did start stacking lefties against me so i said you know what? i'm just gonna start throwing sliders to lefties I love it. I and absolutely it became love really it. good. So um, they used to stack righties against me back in the day. Uh, they used to not want me to face lefties. So now it's switched this year. So uh, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. That's got to be pretty cool too, tangentially to be able to say like, you're a vet now. Like you could say like back in the day, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're like, I legitimately think Arizona hit all lefties against me this year. <laughs> That's uh, very. I was like, this shit, this shit, in the new CBA, we're gonna try to get this uh, CBA <laughs> league. <laughs> um, all right, cool. The last two questions that we like. Well, Nick, why don't you take the first one because this is your one, and then I'll, uh, I'll I'll wrap up with mine. Yeah. Uh, so we hear of all these amazing mound visits, all the Bull Durham. Uh, Jerry Blevins is a f- famous example with us, uh, and I'm sure there's one of co- across all the times that you've had mound visits that is just super memorable to you. Let me tell you something, brother. I hate mound visits. Wow. <laughs> I hate mound visits unless it's from Maldi. Okay. Um, because uh, I just I, I just feel like it kind of just like good or bad. I feel just like it just – you're like in the fight, you know? Like you're, mm-hmm. like you're in this. Like if you were like in the MMA ring and you're just getting beat up and your coach is just like, uh, like time – like it's not really going to help much, right? And also, if I'm if I'm doing my thing, I I want to keep that I want to keep that flow going. Uh, mm. So I don't I don't know if, if there was um, if there was any Super Bowl memorable uh, mound visits. To be honest, uh, Maldi will kind of like Maldi will kind of rush out there and he'll like try to kind of like <laughs> <laughs> he'll do like his little like waddle run. You know what I'm talking about? Like run yep. out there. Because he knows I don't like him at all. Uh, that was like that was like celery man. I mean, what is it? That was like uh, um, oh my god, salad fingers. That was like weird watching that. Oh, wow, that shimmy, that shimmy, very weird. I mean, yeah, um, you, you you just have blocked them all out. I understand this. You, you, I I totally get like just hating mound visits completely. I mean, was there one where they just said you know they didn't treat it like a normal one? You know, where they said something stupid to to get your mind off of it or. Uh, where they weren't like, okay, cool. Hey, you're doing fine. You're not the normal things that were like, yeah, okay, buddy. I get it. I don't know. Honestly, I, I can't really think of any. People ask me that question all the time. And I'm like, brother, I'm not really. Because I kind of <laughs> like put enough. my head down. Maybe sure. this, maybe this, I love that. So I put my head down. I'm like, I'm just not listening to what you have to say right now. <laughs> um, all right. So this last one, then maybe this is the same answer, but sometimes I feel like it's a little bit different. Is there a, is there a, pitch that you have thrown at any point in your career i'm talking about one pitch 
or it could be well, we could say one at bat that that sticks out as some sort of defining moment for you it was the first time you got a whiff on that slider it was a home run you gave up it was something one pitch throughout your entire career where you were like that's something that's probably going to stick with me that i'll be telling my grandkids about um well growing up robinson cano was my favorite player uh when i was a kid i I grew up a big yankees fan um I'm from Tampa and they have the spring training here. And actually my, my old man played for the Yankees for I think two seasons in the late eighties. Uh, so I was, I was a big Yankees fan growing up. Uh, so in a bat, uh, anytime I faced Robinson Cano was, was pretty cool for me. Um, mm-hmm. I think one time I got him to, to, to swing at a breaking ball. And I think it may have like bounced in between his legs uh, that, that was a cool one. That was a cool one for me. And also one time he hit a curveball off me in Seattle that he picked out of the dirt legitimately. It would have hit the top of the plate and he hit it like 420 deep right center. <laughs> and it was a solo shot. And I ended up by going seven strong with just that one run that day. So I was like, you know what? I can't, that was, that was fine. I, I was, yeah. still, that, was, that was still cool. Cause it's just, yeah. uh, he really was man. Like everything about him. I used to go to spring training like super early and I would watch like him and Jeter um, like warm up on the backfields and I would watch him throw pregame. Like they would always like do the show catch. Um, and uh, he was just a really, really uh, big favorite. I saw my chilies one time way back in the day. I was in <laughs> high school. I think he walked in after a, um, after a Yankees game because there was a chilies right, right next to the stadium. Uh, so any at bat that I faced um, that I faced Robbie, uh, Robbie Cano was 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 cool for me. I love it. I love it, man. I mean, this is this has been great. I mean, for for those who don't know you, I mean, it just comes across how much you live, eat, and breathe this game. You're also a rare breed, and that you are um, you're, you you kind of dip your toe in all facets of the game, which is super refreshing. I know a lot of people listening are really just going to love hearing some of the thoughts that you that you bring to pitching i also nick and i have both watched the uh, interviews that you've done with with rob you know pitching ninja and those were absolutely fantastic as well so the fact that you've been so forthcoming about sharing your knowledge and about spreading your passion for the game uh is great you're a really great ambassador for the game in that way so so we appreciate, appreciate you taking the time yeah we appreciate Do you, you want me to tell time, you man. the story how i punched against uh scherzer yeah absolutely and and with that yeah so i Pitched in LA, in the Dodger Stadium this year. It was the first game we played back in Dodger Stadium with fans. So, I mean, you could imagine I was like uh, all sunshine and rainbows during during that pregame warm up and throughout the game. And I, I pitched I pitched pretty well um, that night. And so, you know, I woke up the next morning. We had a day game. I didn't we didn't get back to hotels like one something. Typically, when I pitch good or bad, I, I haven't figured out which one it is yet. I don't know if I have a harder time sleeping if I pitch poorly or if I pitch well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm amped up from the games regardless. I don't sleep well. So I get there the next day. It's a day game. I'm exhausted. I'm literally sore everywhere. Um, cause I had to swing the, the bat the night before against Walker Bueller, which, oh, and Blake training, Trident, which oh my I tell you something, Yeah. Good luck. That was the most, um, <laughs> helpless I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> and I, I felt so hopeless. I tried to bunt. Oh my uh, god! Off, like, like tr- there's nobody on. Like, I was, I tried yeah. to drag bunt. Um, <laughs> anyway, oh, and then he punched me out on a pitch I thought was going to hit me in my back leg and was a strike. Anyway, uh, it was a two seam. 
So the next day we get to the park, you know, and like, hey, I'm doing my thing. We're sitting on the bench. We're having a good time. And all of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder and it's Joe Espada, our bench coach. I turned around. I was like, what's up, Joe? Like, I don't really talk to Joe in the games like that. He's like, hey, uh, Dusty wants you to grab a bat. You're going to go face Scherzer. You're going to pinch hit because it was too early in the game to use um, to use, um, you know, a bench player. It was like a third inning or four, something like that. Right. And I was like, you want me to do what? You want me to do what against who? And so um, I was like, oh, that's fine. I'm just good. I'm not going to swing. I was going to stand there. Sure enough. And I get up there. I'm hacking. I'm blowing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best I can up there. And uh, he punched me out on a changeup. I swung and missed though. I went down swinging. I went down on my shit. Hey, man, a changeup. That that's honor right there. I and stats. I spit on some good. You should, hey, you should go back and watch those at bats. Yeah, all right. Walker, Blake, and Scherzer. I was spitting on those breaking balls. I saw spin early. <laughs> that's insane. That those are the three pitchers that you saw consecutively. Cool. Like, that's insane. I've, I've had to face. I'm lefty. I'm a lefty hitter. Mm-hmm. Right. I had. I've had to face Robbie Ray in my career. Patrick Ooh. Corbin. I got a knock. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you Darvish, wow. Um, Urania, when he was in Miami, blowing like ninety nine on our two seams, right, right. Uh, Walker Bueller, Blake Trinan, and um, and Mad Max, Max. Oh and I think God. I faced Kinta Maeda one time, good and uh, he was re- he's really good too. The fact that you had to hit after this is uh, maybe your greatest accomplishment. Like, yeah, I got, a, I got a backside knockoff of uh, Patrick Corbin. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm like quickly seeing if I can look. I got to look up your entire history as a hitter. I'm very excited to it's check one this out. And see these That's one hit. But and, see all the uh, even these pitchers. The exit velocity was impressive. I think. Oh, on the hit. So you named all right, and then I'll let you go. You named you've you've faced eight. You faced eight pitchers. I you named seven. Eight. I faced a reliever from the Marlins, righty, throwing hard as heck, too. That's right. Um, and I think I may have popped up in foul ground. That was Randall Delgado uh, in uh, 2016. And you flew oh, out to you flew out to the left fielder. You did. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. You did. Um, Actually, uh, hey, the ball I hit off Urania was sneaky deep out there in left center of Miami. <laughs> let's see All right, sneaky a, deep those are the yes. juice balls though oh okay mm. yeah yeah you flew out to deep left you flew out to christian yelich actually on the track there you go there you yeah. go Free two. Um, all right man this was seriously a blast thanks so much for joining us and uh hey you know i know we're dealing with a lot with baseball now but whenever it comes back we look forward to watching you work it's always a pleasure good luck this upcoming year man all right y'all good talking yeah thanks so much lance